WHHHFM Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community on High 96.3. Hold up. And good morning to you, Indianapolis. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, coming to you live from downtown Indianapolis in the Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC Studios. Okay, first thing, don't panic. It is not 9 o'clock. It is 8 o'clock. I know your phone's probably reset, but all the other clocks in the house, I don't change those until later today, so I always have to double check. Wait, did I just miss the show? I did not miss the show. It is 8 o'clock due to daylight saving time. Whether you stayed out late partying with uh, DJ Gino at his block party. Happy birthday to Gino, by the way. Uh, I did not get to go. I had a ticket, Gino, but I did not get to go. I did use that extra hour of sleep uh, last night. So, now that we're all on the same page, it is 8 o'clock here on Sunday morning on the first Sunday of November 2021. Uh, thank you for being with us. we got a good show for you this morning. IMPD Chief Randall Taylor is standing by on our live line. He's going to spend most of the hour with us uh, talking about all things IMPD, and there was a lot to talk about. He'll not only talk with me, but he's waiting to talk to you. He'll be taking your questions when you call us here in a few moments. Uh, all hour long, getting caught up with IMPD, answering my questions, answering your questions, and seeing how maybe IMPD can help you. Uh, and this morning, though, they do need your help. We've got breaking news on a missing person. I'll tell you about that coming up here in just a moment. But first, let's get you caught up on what is happening today in the news. Congress has passed the federal infrastructure package worth $1.2 trillion, and now the bill is headed to President Biden's desk for his signature. While the package is smaller than originally planned, President Biden says the infrastructure package is the most significant investment in roads and bridges in 70 years and the biggest investment in passenger rail in 50 years. He also says this is the most investment ever made in public transit. Indiana's two Democratic representatives, including Congressman Andre Carson, voted in favor of the infrastructure plan, while all seven of Indiana's Republican representatives voted against it. An IMPD officer has been convicted of perjury, false informing, and official misconduct. Robert Lawson is the officer seen on video punching a 17-year-old IPS student outside of Short Ridge High School in 2019. Lawson was responding to the school, which had been put on lockdown after a fight, when he and another officer got into an altercation with the student and his mother. Wish TV reports Lawson had also been charged with battery, but was found not guilty by the jury. A mistrial was found on a felony charge of obstruction of justice. Officer Lawson has been suspended without pay since the incident occurred and is recommended for termination. The IMPD Merit Board will ultimately decide if Lawson gets to keep his job. A new proposal from the Indianapolis City County Council could ban pet stores from selling cats, dogs, and rabbits in Marion County. The proposal comes as the Marion County Animal Shelter has repeatedly hit capacity this year. According to WishTV.com, under the proposal, pet stores may display and provide space for dogs, cats, and rabbits if they are available from the adoption at the city's animal care service center. 
If the proposal passes, businesses still selling cats, dogs, or rabbits could be fined $500. In the forecast, we're warming up. We'll hit a high of 62 degrees today. Tomorrow is even warmer with a high of 67 degrees. The warm temperatures will last until Friday when rain returns and the temperatures drop back into the 40s. Right now, it is 36 degrees in India. And as I mentioned, some late breaking news coming in this morning. Uh, IMPD does need your help here at uh, 8.05 looking for a missing uh, person. IMPD says a 64-year-old Mac Jake was last seen in the 3100 block of East Washington Street this morning. He is wearing a white fedora hat, gray trench coat, white and brown striped shirt, light brown pants, and brown shoes. Uh, Mr. Jake has been diagnosed with dementia and memory loss. He also suffers from seizures. If you happen to see Mr. Jake out there this morning, this is near uh, Rule and East Washington Street. Uh, please call 911 or you can call IMPD's Missing Persons Unit at 327-6160 or you can also call uh, Crime Stoppers. That number is 317 that is 8477 or hey call here at the radio station we're going to have the chief on the air uh, here in just a couple of seconds but again uh, 64 year old uh, Mac Jake he is a black man this was uh, last seen in the 3100 block of East Washington Street which is rural and East Washington Street so if you can keep an eye out that's also uh, a very busy bus line of course there on Washington Street which he could have gotten on uh, if you see anyone in that area please call 911 all right, uh, with that said, lots of IMPD stuff to kick off the show with this morning, which is appropriate because we have IMPD Chief Randall Taylor on our live line right now. Chief, good morning. Good morning, sir. It is good to have you. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to be here. You've been busy, like everyone. Hope you're staying safe and healthy, I trust? Yeah, things are going well. Good, good. Uh, well, Chief, well, first let me start off asking, is there anything uh, that, that you can add that I – didn't say uh, in regards to the missing person, Mr. Mac Jake, this morning. Any uh, additional details you can provide? No, I, I think you uh, you handled that well. Uh, uh, Mr. Jake uh, apparently was last seen about 3 o'clock this morning, so obviously our concern, I mean, at least he had a coat on, but, uh, you know, as your weather forecast uh, stated, it did get pretty cold last night. Mm -hmm. and that's, uh, that's one of the main things as we come into the, the fall and winter months when, when people go missing, especially people that are suffering from uh, dementia and, and the like, uh, making sure that they're uh, in warm places, and that's, that's not always the case. So that's the concern. But, uh, of course, if you, if you come across Mr. Jake, please call 911. It's our quickest way to get officers out there and get him taken care of. Excellent. Uh, Chief, other things uh, that we that I just talked about here in the news, uh, and, and that's a, in a case that happened back in 2019. And, of course, you weren't ch the chief at the time. Um, but I bring it up because it's it's an issue that's coming. Uh, it's 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 timely because it just happened. But we've had this discussion recently on the show about the merit board. Uh, as you know very well, just a, a week or two ago, you brought to the public's attention the incident with Officer Huxley. Uh, down on Monument Circle. Um, and, of course, we talked about that here on the show. And people didn't understand why, if you had said that he was recommended 
uh, for termination, why this guy isn't being fired. And I said, well, there's a merit board that makes that decision. And that's, of course, come up now with um, Officer Lawson from the uh, 2019 incident outside of Short Ridge High School, where he's been on um, a paid le- uh, unpaid leave, excuse me, unpaid leave since 2019. Uh, he's been charged with uh, multiple uh, counts found guilty of. Uh, but he still is actually a member of IMPD. And in that case, again, the merit board will decide if Lawson gets to keep his job. So all of that to say, folks were confused. Well, what is this merit board? Can't we get our own merit board? And I explained to them, well, actually, this is your merit board. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so yeah. well, there's, there's obviously there's a lot to unpack there. So uh, I was assistant chief of police in 19 under Chief Roach. Mm-hmm. Made that decision uh, from the standpoint of of the termination. Uh, I, of course, was in agreement with him at that time, uh, and uh, it's just one of those things that took a while to finally get to trial. Um, but you you cannot be a police officer in Indiana if you've been convicted of a felony. So in in this case, with Mr. Lawson, uh, really come come tomorrow. Uh, that's one of the things we'll look at. We will get that in front of the merit board, but uh, and 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 this merit board is relatively new. And I must say, quite honestly, under uh, uh, Mr. Sullivan's leadership, uh, I'm very very pleased with it. Um, but there, it's not going to be a long step uh, for them because he he can't be a a police officer with those felony convictions. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would probably be a relatively quick meeting. Um, uh, the other thing that happens is the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy uh, now has the ability to revoke um, an officer's um, law enforcement license. Mm-hmm. Uh, so either of those things would would keep you from being a cop. And uh, the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy. Uh, can review those things, uh, whether someone is convicted or not convicted. Uh, So uh, in Mr. Lawson's case, uh, you know, we will review that probably starting tomorrow, submit that to the merit board. Uh, Like I said, it shouldn't be a long meeting. In cases where uh, officers are charged with felonies but not convicted of them, uh, then that requires... uh, uh, a longer meeting with the mayor board, which uh, the officer's attorney and, and my attorney uh, would then argue uh, in front of the mayor board as to whether or not that officer should should keep their job. But once once that conviction on the felony occurs, it's really a relatively simple step. So it's for Mr. Lawson tomorrow. It's more of a formality at this point because he's already met the multiple disqualifying factors. Right. And so then let's move forward. Mr. Huxley's case, obviously, Sergeant Huxley's is, is still in progress. And so that's the one where just the other week someone was saying, well, wh- why can't he be fired if the chief says he shouldn't yeah. be there? Why is he still there? Can you explain that? Yeah. So the mayor board has been around for quite a while. I was always told that one of the reasons why it existed was uh, and, the, and the chief uh, wouldn't have the power to. Uh, just fire at will uh, was because he, obviously, you know, you could be from two different political parties or uh, I could have an issue with an officer and, 
we go through that training. They may have a long career, and I don't like something they've done. And I just fire them, uh, with, and there's no recourse. Um, that can be problematic. Uh, so the the mayor board is indeed chosen uh, by the mayor's office, by the council, and by the public, and uh, so they they are to represent uh, the community's wishes uh, as it comes to discipline. I mean, it's not just firing. Anytime I give a discipline over 10 days, uh, that officer has the ability uh, to go to the merit board and, and argue uh, their case. Uh, 10 days and below, there's no recourse. Uh, but over that, uh, they can certainly look at that. And that doesn't really honestly happen that often. Uh, there's some other stop gaps in there. Uh, now we have a, a use of force board uh, that would also get involved. So they would have they would have been involved with Lawson's case because it didn't exist mm-hmm. back in 19. But uh, in Huxley's case, uh, they could indeed review that. Uh, but they would do that after uh, the court proceedings uh, were completed. So Mr. Huxley uh, has been charged with some felonies. Uh, if he's found guilty of those felonies in court, then um you know, uh, the same same rule would apply as it does with Lawson. It'd be more of a formality going to the merit board because he wouldn't be qualified to be a police officer at that time, and they would probably vote to terminate, uh, which is what I would expect they'll do uh, with Lawson. And, and then they'll go from there. And um, in, in regards to the merit board, like you said, it's been around for a while, but as you just added a little context to, it hasn't been around for that long. Um, it was a, a, a big to do this time last year when when it was being proposed. Um, and if I remember correctly, you you were a little apprehensive about what that could mean. It was kind of another layer. Um, well, I mean, it is another layer between you and whatever decision that you want to recommend. Um, as you just said, you can't order necessarily something after, you know, a certain um, severity. It, it's, it someone else takes a, another look at it, but w- with it have been in place for eleven months now, um, has your w- how has your view evolved, or has it since this time last year when it was just a proposal? Yeah, when when I initially uh, put this out, uh, I wanted civilian uh, input. I wanted them on that board. I initially wasn't crazy about it being a majority of civilians. Um, However, um, uh, it's like I told the council when it was, uh, when it it was indoctrinated was that, you know, I'm going to work with it uh, regardless of what that makeup is. Um, There really hasn't been uh, much for them where they're really just getting up and running. Uh, There's things that are coming uh, onto the table in front of them that they're going to have to make decisions on. They make recommendations to me as to what they think uh, should happen with that. Um, but I obviously, at this point, I, I, I think we're all going to be on the same page and it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be problematic. Uh, this one would probably be their biggest case. Um, but but that's, like I said, this, this will have to wait till. Uh, the court proceedings are done, which, like we see in Lawson, have taken a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see. But but I've met everyone on that board. There's a, a good group of people, uh, so I, I don't I don't perceive them uh, being an issue. Uh, 
moving down the road. We are on the air this morning with IMPD Chief Randall Taylor. He is uh, giving us an update on all things IMPD, IMPD, that is, this morning. It's been a while since we've had the Chief uh, on the show, so he is here to talk with you and talk with me. Uh, Chief, since you've been on, uh, one of the constants, unfortunately, uh, has been the crime rate that is going on in, in the city. And we're hearing two things. One, um, if I remember last time you were here, around that time, whether it was you or whether it was just what was being said at the time, that violent crime across the country was down, but we were seeing a increase in homicides. Like it was overall, oh, excuse me, overall crime was down, but we were seeing an increase in violent crime. Is that still the same? Yeah, we're still dealing with it across the country. The numbers, uh, unfortunately, uh, are up in every major city. Uh, and that's kind of a, uh, that's a double-edged sword in some ways because uh, obviously we're concerned with what happens across the country. However, we're, we're most concerned with what's going on here in Indianapolis. And, and the non-fatal shootings and the murders uh, those numbers are just not where they, well, you know, you don't want any murders. You don't want any non-fatal shootings, but those numbers are up. We're probably 40 or so murders over where we were this time last year. And last year was high. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's frustrating me, honestly, is that, um, you know, we're, do, our officers are doing what they can to, uh, keep those things from happening. But, you know, if, if people have in their mind that they're going to pull a trigger uh, to solve a problem, uh, that's difficult for us to get on top of. Uh, that is more of a societal issue, in, in my opinion. You know, we've got to get people uh, uh, to handle their emotions to the point where they're not doing that. Uh, we, we all know that there's, there's people that are involved in certain types of crimes, uh, and those kind of things, and we're them uh, uh, having violent uh, interactions with their competitors and those kind of things. Uh, so I guess you're always going to have some of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, the numbers that we have, there a lot of those are for very different reasons. You know, uh, uh, someone doesn't like someone's post on Facebook or someone, uh, you know, messing around with uh, someone else's girl or, or parking in the wrong spot or doing whatever. And people had decided that that pulling that trigger is the way to solve that problem. And and obviously it's not. Uh, It it ruins uh, the life of the victim and the life of the suspect when people decide to go down that route. So we're trying to find other avenues to get people to to stop with that behavior. Um, But those are things that, you know, are not necessarily in the police lane. You know, it's just like mental health. People uh, often are on us about, we shouldn't be involved in mental health. Well, I don't want to be involved in mental health things either. However, there's no one that's stepped up to take care of it, so it's going to land on the police. Uh, I would much rather someone come in, whether it's these grassroots organizations or, or whatever programs uh, that exist that can step up to the plate and help people uh, learn to make better decisions. And whether, whether it's you know systemic issues or, or whatever we're going to blame it on, um, you know, we need help, obviously, from that standpoint. Uh, what do you happen to have? What is our latest uh, uh, homicide uh, number for the city? 
You know, I haven't got the uh, numbers this morning, uh, and I really don't want to step out on, yes, yeah. on memory because I—I'll be honest with you—I I don't like the. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, the homicide number we got number uh, two thirty-five was uh, last. Uh, was that last night? Night last night? Night before last? Mm-hmm. Um, two thirty-five. Gentleman on fifty-four uh, hundred block of Massachusetts Avenue. Uh, was killed. Uh, so 235, which is, like I said, it's going to be 30 to 40 uh, more over uh, what we were at last year. Um, a number of things, when you when you see that, as you said, um, and, and I've asked this, this question uh, to, to the mayor, to everybody, whose responsibility is it? I mean, does this keep you up at night knowing... Uh, that that you can't stop all the crimes that you see. But I, when, when I asked this question to Mayor Hogsett over a year ago, he said, the buck stops with me. I'm the mayor. I'm the public safety director, all in one. And it all stops with me. The buck stops with me. But is it, are the police, in, in your view, uh, there to prevent crimes? Or is, are the police truly only able to respond to crime? Well, uh, you know, uh, our job is to prevent crime as well where we can. Uh, example of that would be, you know, as as people give us information, uh, you know, let's, let's take a drug house, for example. We know that if we come across a drug house, the potential uh, for violence is probably very high. Uh, mm-hmm. We know that people uh, that, that do those things, uh, not only are, are they potentially going to injure you by selling you uh, a product that's not going to have any uh, medical value that's going to put you in a state of mind that can also kill you. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a problem. So when we get information on those places, it's our job to to investigate uh, and get those people off the street through an arrest. So that's preventative, trying to prevent other people from from buying from those places and potentially injuring themselves by taking drugs, but also – uh, the violence that uh, goes around uh, with those kinds of houses or that kind of deal. So uh, in, in the past, as we could, could identify uh, those subjects, uh, we could launch investigations, ultimately get warrants for them, make an arrest and get them off the street. Uh, the frustrating thing now is uh, a lot of these murders that are occurring are not things that are predictable. They're not necessarily all in the drug game. Uh, they are uh, just people that, like I said, are making poor choices, incredibly poor choices about using guns or knives to solve those, those problems. And from the standpoint of how they got there, uh, that's where it's, it's the most frustrating because I, I don't know that that's in the police lane. I, you know, I, we're not, uh, you know, we're not psychologists or psychiatrists. If it's a mental health issue that gets you there. Uh, that's not what our our training is for. I mean, we we are more reactive on that standpoint uh, than being able to be preventative. Uh, so that that's where my frustration comes in is how in the world have we got to where we've got? And and I've had plenty of people say, well, it's it's these systemic issues, you know, uh, poor education, food deserts, inability to have jobs, uh, housing, all those kind of things. Well, I. You know, I, I'm willing to to say that those things could could be a catalyst for that. However, uh, again, 
I don't, I don't, you know, we have a, a budget, but a lot of people think, well, your budget's big. You ought to be able to do stuff with that. Well, uh, the budget is only large from the standpoint of numbers. It's, it's not fat from the standpoint of luxury items. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I just don't know that that's something that, that, that we can really be involved. In. I mean, we'll be involved from the standpoint that anything that's going to help the community make it safer, we're for. Um, but I'm not so sure that the police department is always uh, the best course of action. So you mentioned uh, systemic issues, and one of them that um, stands out constantly is is the criminal justice system itself uh, and the Marion County jail system. Um, obviously, uh, of course, as the chief of police, you don't run the jail, and nor are you the prosecutor. Uh, those two decide uh, what happens in the jail and who uh, and what is a crime. So one of the things that constantly comes up, particularly from the leader of the FOP, uh, Mr. Rick Snyder, is this issue of catch and release, where he says, you know, folks are uh, locked up in the morning and at 9 a.m. and by 9 p.m. they're walking out. Uh, they're back out on the street because the jail is too crowded or whatever reason um, that you may have. Is and, and again, how that works is not necessarily up to you. Um, and who stays and goes and who what's a crime. But do you see that as, as an issue or is that just uh, a Rick Snyder view? Uh, I kind of see both sides of that coin. And, and, you know, as a man who is always trying to figure out what is fair, I certainly understand where some of the, um, some of the issue comes about, you know, we, we arrest somebody for a crime um, and, and just because we arrest them does not mean they're guilty. Uh, that means we, we have probable cause to believe they commit the crime. Sometimes, you know, obviously we, we, we see it, we see it on a video or we come across it and can testify that we directly have knowledge of that crime. Uh, but as far as our violent offenders are concerned, uh, you know, there's pushback across the country from, the ACLU and some other places that would say, look, uh, uh, you just arrested that person and they have been found guilty. So how are you going to get the, how are you going to lock them up until trial and all those kind of things? Uh, and, and that's a tough one because as far as violent uh, crimes are concerned, we, we obviously don't want anyone coming back out to commit more violence. Uh, so, you know, uh, it, it's a very difficult it's a very difficult thing to, to to deal with. And in the black community, unfortunately, we, we know that a majority of those people are going to be minorities. Um, uh, and that's tough. But, you know, the, the protective part of me says, no, I don't want you out uh, to commit a crime again. Uh, you know, we got you locked up on this one. Um, uh, you need to stay put until you're found guilty, uh, if you're found guilty in a court of law. Um but, like I said, I, I understand that, uh, you know, people do have to have rights and, and, you know, the numbers would be different. I think that's one of, uh, I think that's one of those things community is really going to have to come to grips to with, hey, is this going to be by a case-by-case basis or are we going to may have a hard line uh, with that? And, and if so, what is that line going to be? And, and are we going to use that across the board with regardless of what race you are? or gender or any of those kind of things. So that's a, 
that is a tough one. And I, I don't run the jail, and I know the sheriff's got an incredibly difficult job, but I know him and the prosecutor are both committed uh, to trying to be as fair as possible without putting uh, the community in jeopardy and danger. So uh, I appreciate both those men. <clears throat> I've had talks with them. Uh, I know <clears throat> Ryan Mears has done a number of things, you know, to try to, to balance things out uh, uh, better. Uh, most of those are not violent crimes, and I think those are helping. But as far as the violent crimes are concerned and as far as Pre uh, Rick Snyder is concerned, I, I certainly understand those concerns as well. And I'm not, uh, I'm not up to date on the numbers of how many people have committed violent acts after being released from, from uh, jail on bond or, or whatever and prior to going to trial, but that would be a, a concerning number. I, do, I know we do have a couple examples where a guy uh, had committed a violent crime and was released and then came out and ended up killing his girlfriend, mm -hmm. allegedly. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, that's a victim that we don't think should have existed. Um, but uh, someone posted his bond and, and thought different, and, and there we have. But that's not to say that happens with everybody, uh, but obviously it's a, it's a deep issue to and deep waters to try to get through. We are on the air this morning with IMPD Chief Randall Taylor talking all things IMPD. He's been answering my questions for uh, the, the start of the show. Now it's time to turn things over to you. But first, of course, we have to pay some bills. The phone lines have already been blowing up. So uh, keep calling 317-239-9696. If you're hearing the show through your phone right now, that means you're one of my first three people that I'm going to talk to after the break. If you can't get through this morning, send me a tweet at Cameron Riddle on Twitter or at Open Line Show. Cameron, C-A-M-E-R-O-N-R-I-D-L-E. And I will ask your question on your behalf for Chief Taylor. Uh, more with Chief Taylor is coming up. Don't touch that dial. Don't go nowhere. Stay on the phone lines. The Chief will be answering some of your questions. Coming up when Open Lines with Cameron Riddle continues on Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC. We want to hear from you, your thoughts, your views, your voice. We are your eye on the community. It's Open Lines on Hot 96.3. Let's get back to Open Lines, your eye on the community on Hot 96.3. And we are back here on Open Lines on this Sunday morning, November 7th. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, coming to you from the Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC Studios in downtown Indianapolis. On the show with us this morning is the leader, the top cop, chief of IMPD, Randall Taylor. He has been on our live line and is staying with us now. Uh, to answer uh, your questions. And we want you to call us this morning, 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. You can also uh, send me a message, send me a DM, send me a tweet, or uh, do as Miss Chris has already done and send me a message on Instagram at Cameron, C-A-M-E-R-O-N-R-I-D-L-E. Miss Chris, I will, Miss Crystal, I will um, read your question here coming up. But first, let's go to the phone lines. Chief is back with us. Uh, let's start off uh, with, with some callers. Chief, are you with us? 
Yep. All right, here we go. Caller on line two. Good morning. You're live on open lines. Who's this? Hello. Hello. Hello, you're mm-hmm. live. You're live on the air. Who's this? Um, I prefer not to say my name, but uh, All right. Keith. Uh it was an incident that happened uh a little while back. Um my son had pulled up at a gas station and I guess that they thought that he must have the police or something and uh he got out the car and was in the process of getting ready to get some gas. And a guy pulled up on him with a gun and told him, said, boy, if you don't get back in this car and get your butt away from here, uh, I'm going to shoot and kill you. And I think, you know, it's pretty bad that you got all these homeless people downtown that's hanging out at these gas stations and you can't even stop to get gas uh, or anything, you know, with somebody walking up on you and threatening to take your life out of here. And it's just truly wrong. And I think that the police, some of the police should hang around at these gas stations at the weird hours of the night because that's when a lot of the action do happen. And... I mean, I know they can't be at places at all times, but, you know, I look at that that could have been my child taken from me just because somebody wanted to blow his head off for no no apparent reason. He wasn't doing nothing, didn't say nothing or anything, you know. And then I was downtown yesterday, got off at the mall, and there was a black guy and a white guy at each other. And the black dude said, well, man, bring your white so-and-so behind back here, and I'm going to shoot and kill you. You know, you. I mean, it's just bad where you can't even go to the mall. You can't go anywhere and don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're getting out the car and going to be in the middle of a shooting or anything. So I'm going to stop you right there. In the e- I'm going to stop uh, you right there in the essence of time. So, what exactly would you like to ask the chief? Well, uh, why isn't it that you know the police is, is not around at the time when things are going on? I mean, you know, and in, and in these places that seem obvious, like you mentioned at the gas stations and, and different things at night, correct? Yes. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to let Chief address that. Chief, she's asking, you know, you've got crime in these obvious places. You can kind of predict. You know where there are places where you, if someone's asked you, where should I not be at like 2 a.m.? Basically, why aren't the police at those spots? Yeah. Well, you know, our officers have other duties, right? There are all kinds of. Now, I, I know some some of the gas stations uh will hire off-duty police or security guards in order to keep those things from happening. And, and we do come through there, uh, but, you know, criminals uh, aren't totally stupid. They're, they're not going to do those things if we're sitting there in the lot. Um, but we don't have the manpower, uh, uh, person power, I should say, mm-hmm. to uh, have an officer oh, no, no, do our best, obviously, to 
to uh, to look at data, uh, crime data, in order to uh, best situate our officers where they need to be to to make those things happen or to keep those things from happening. But uh, uh, it's not a perfect science, and obviously uh, criminals and people who are going to make those kind of threats are are probably not going to do that if we're in the area. We just don't have the ability to be everywhere, and just like she said. We don't have the ability to be everywhere every time. So the the shorter answer is, yes, you too know where some of those spots are, but you just don't have the person power to put an officer where it would stop. Just like you said, the criminals know, hey, if the, if the cops are there, they're not going to do something with the cops there. But I think, and that's the point, the public's like, okay, so put the cop there. But then yeah. the answer is, I don't have the manpower to do that. I got to put them, you know, where, where other things are going on. Okay. Well, they're, they're responding to runs and, mm-hmm. and, you know, calls, other calls for service that uh, would keep them from doing that. They, we do encourage them uh, to be in the high crime places uh, when they're not on those runs. And we have different units that can do different things, you, uh, you know, that are specifically uh, built around uh, dealing with high crime areas and different situations. Uh, the only thing I ask is that uh, whatever district you live in, you let that district commander uh, know what your concern is and let them uh, put those units in place to see about driving that crime down. All right, let's go to another call, 317-239-9696. Caller on line three. Good morning. Who's this? Hi, Cameron and Chief. You know, this is amounts to something where a disobedient teenager have disobeyed the uh, officer, and then what happens is he sees on the television or hers on uh, attorneys talking about if a police beats you up or kills you, your family can get a settlement. So that's what it's all geared toward. They can't fire police officers. They spend hundreds of thousands of dollars or tens of thousands anyway to train these men to do that job. We need to leave this alone, Cameron. I community, all we focus on is law enforcement, and there's only two or three unjustified police problems in this community every year. And then we let somebody like Tony Mason squander $5 million off of a $20 million grant on administration and promotion, and he won't come to the community and tell us where this money's going. Tell us where the interest is going on this money. I have emailed him. And All right, now hold on. Now you're, now you're going the way. Kiss my ass. We, now, okay, now hold on. You're, you're going, you're okay, going okay, toward Tony. No, 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 no. Ask your question to Chief. You're talking about Tony Mason now. What's your question okay, for the well, Chief? Well, I'm talking about Chief. Uh, I sympathize with you because you got a tough job, and your man are out there to keep the peace, and you need to get away from the mental health because I know you're not getting paid for it, and you need to uh, keep the peace in our community. So all these people talking about defund the police, they need to take another thing and think about getting to work. We need to work. We need to stop all the police stuff. We need to leave all of it alone. I said sick them. All right. Thank you, Larry. Appreciate it. Let's go to the next call. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, Cameron. How you doing this morning? I'm good, Paul. How are you? I'm great. Uh, Greetings, Chief, and to everybody that's listening. I'm going to give you a minute, sir. Oh, okay. I'm going to try to go as fast as I can. Uh, Chief, you might want to look with the afternoon commanders to make sure that these police officers are doing their jobs. They call it 2 or 3 o'clock, 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Your police officers are hiding. I know at least seven spaces where your police officers hide. Secondly, I had a 20-minute meeting with you when you was a commander, and so I wanted to know if you have any regrets of being promoted to this spot because your views then versus now 
are two different situations because now you're being told what to do versus being able to help the community. And my last thing is that when does a felon stop paying his debt to society? All right. If you go and get out of jail, you can change your life and everything. You go to the job, the job on the application it says, are you a felon? Everybody's records are public, a public record. It is a mental mind thing for a person to think that the police is going to always be there. There's a guy in my complex. All right, right I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there because you okay, asked, right, you asked Cameron, several good I, questions. I, I appreciate I it. You. You, I, you guys have a great day, and I'll see y'all next week. All right, thank you. You asked some excellent questions. First, uh, I'm a, let's, let's get to the first two, Chief. When you see a police officer sitting behind a Kroger or, or the old abandoned Kmart is, is what he's talking about because he's brought this up on the show several times before. Um, can you explain what's going on there? Well, many, many times when they're out there like that, they're doing reports. Uh, is an, is a, a quick uh, thing to do. And in the past, uh, it, it was. You get on a, on your cell phone or get on the landline and you call that report in, take you a couple, three minutes to, to call in that report. It's not really the case anymore. Uh, we require the officers to type those reports out, and it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a, of a chore to do it, but the information we're gathering, the data, uh, is much better. Uh, and, you know, I'm not, you know, two or three in the morning, um, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't think there'd be that many reports, but, but there certainly could be. Uh, they also, they do have what's called Police One training uh, that we send out through their computer that they have to take classes online to keep up. Uh, with the, uh, the educational requirements, the, the, the uh, hours that they have to, to train online, they could be doing that. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're doing what he, he says. Uh, but, uh, you know, night shift, that, that late night stuff, is it's a little different animal, right? Um, but, yeah, we would hope that they're not spending too much time back there. For a report, that's one thing, but for... Uh, if they're just trying to avoid work, that's obviously not something that we would encourage. And, and that's easily correctable. You know, uh, uh, supervisors have the ability to see what they're doing. Uh, and and, and, know, and, at, and at the minimum, Chief, I mean, can't they just be on a break? Is that I can't remember if that's a 10-7 or if that's 10-8 when you go out of service. Um, isn't that yeah, they, just yeah, okay they as have, well? They have, yeah, they have lunch breaks and those kind of things. But uh, those are, you know. 15 to 30 minutes typically. Um, and I don't know, you know, I don't know all the locations he's talking about and how long they're, uh, they're talking about it or how much, how much time they're marked out there. But uh, that's something we can certainly look at again to make sure that uh, we're getting the bang for the buck. So the second question he asked, and I'm pushing us along because for the, in the essence yeah. of time, but do you regret going from being a commander where you got to spend time with folks like Paul and answering his questions to now being the chief and you're answering questions from everybody from the mayor to me and state politicians. Yeah, no, not, not at all. Uh, I, I won't say that uh, becoming chief was really in my plans. I was, uh, when I was commander out at uh, community affairs, I enjoyed that job. Uh, but when, um, uh, Chief Height was here. He promoted me to that command spot when he left. Uh, and Chief Riggs came in. There was an opportunity to uh, put my my uh, my name in for assistant chief spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and and Chief Riggs uh, promoted myself. Uh, uh, 
Chief Roach and Chief uh, Waters uh, to assist in chief spots. We had three at the time. And then when Riggs left and, and Roach took over, he made me the lone assistant chief. Uh, and I was very comfortable under Chief Roach's leadership and and would have been happy to uh, end my career as assistant chief under under him. Uh, when he left, though, he he told me that he thought I should should be the next chief. And, uh, you know, as I thought about it, I, I thought, well, I, I'd love to, to make some changes. And I think I have. I think I've made a lot of great changes for the department. Uh, I've had a lot of tests. Uh, but I, I think it's it's going well. It's not where I want it to be. Obviously, the, the numbers are too high, and I, I want people to have trust in the department, uh, but I'm still working in that direction. All right, let's go to another call online. I think we're at line two. Caller, good morning. Who's this? How you doing, Cameron? Brother, then on tip, and I'll, I'll make mine quick and Thank concise. Thank you, sir. I just don't understand why we just can't get simple questions out. <laughs> it, 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 it was it's like pulling teeth. It, it reminds me of, a, of one of my classmates back in college just couldn't get a question out. Good Lord. Anyway, Chief, two things. Uh, number one, first of all, I disagree with Larry. I think that I'm a medical professional, high tech. And if we do anything that's improper, I can affect people's lives drastically. I think that everyone should be held to a high standard. And when we do something that's not proper, the federal government strips us. We can't work any time in health care. We lose our ability to earn a dime. We go on the list. Oh, it's called an OGI, OIG, Officer Inspector General. We're done. So I believe in accountability, and I think you're doing that, and I appreciate you doing that. I'm going to first of all thank you for doing that. I think you're, you went, it's a hard road when you're in-house and you have to do that even in any profession. It doesn't matter. But wrong is wrong no matter where it is, no matter where it happens, and it must be addressed. So I appreciate you for doing that and taking that time. My, my one question would be, I'm a licensed gun owner. Uh, I'm involved with the African American Gun Owners Association. After the Philando Castile issue, we've all been asking these questions. I've asked your uh, deputy chief Kendall Adams' this question, he didn't answer it. As black people, it seems that we're treated differently from being Second Amendment carriers. This is a, this is a major thing that even has been communicated to the NRA. We get treated differently. Uh, at a police stop here in Indianapolis, because every state's different, every state's different, here in Indianapolis, as a licensed gun owner, if I'm stopped by the police, what should be the procedure? What should I follow? Because most of us don't want to move our hands after we saw Castile getting popped. And so this has been asked amongst many licensed, black licensed gun owners because it seems we don't get treated the same as our white counterparts. So we get stopped. You're a licensed gun owner. What should be the procedure? All right. Thanks, sir. Excellent question and, and timely, obviously, right? Uh, so uh, back when I... Uh, pulled people over. Uh, I always appreciated when they let me know uh, that they were indeed a licensed gun owner and they did have a firearm either on their person or in their car. Uh, that that first tells me that the fact that you're telling me that it exists um, starts building a little bit of trust in you because uh, I don't know you when I stop you. But if you're willing to tell me that, then you're, you're basically letting the officer know that, hey, uh, this exists. I don't want any trouble. I'm not planning on using this on you. Uh, they're still going to be cautious, but, uh, you know, you tell them that when they get there and keep your hands on the wheel. Uh, we should be able to get through that uh, that stop uh, effectively, according to depending on what that stops for. Let's say it's a minor traffic violation, speeding or something like that. 
uh, we can get through that uh, pretty easy. Uh, follow the officer's request. Some officers may want you to at least point to where that gun is. Uh, some may want you to remove it. I, I, I prefer that it stay in a holster. I don't want you taking it out or anything like that. Uh, I may ask you to, to step out of the car in order to conduct our business, but uh, if you cooperate with them, uh, you should be fine. Uh, there should be uh, no safety concerns uh, with that. Just please, as, as, as this gentleman caller, I'm sure is aware, please don't make any step towards there, whether or not. Uh, it just causes problems. But uh, understand where he's coming from. As a black man, I, I totally understand. Uh, 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 perception can be reality, that things, that people are treated a little bit different. Uh, but I'll be honest, when, when I used to patrol the street, um, when I walk up to a car, my, 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 my hand is resting somewhere closer to my gun, usually on the top of the holster, because I don't have the luxury of knowing you. Uh, and, and I don't know what you're going to do. Now, I'm not going to do anything to hurt you, but um, I'm going to be prepared just in case. And, and, and that's the way they have to do it. So please don't be offended if officers are shining that bright light and they're looking in there uh, or they have their, their hand near their weapon. They, they don't know you, and we all know that cops have certainly been killed in traffic stops. Uh, I expect them to protect themselves and be cautious without being uh, to the point where people totally feel threatened, you know. Uh, so, uh, Chief, thank yeah. you for, thank you for that answer. A couple minutes left here in the show. I want to read you um, something we got offline from one of our listeners who hasn't got through yet. Uh, she says her, her son was unfortunately uh, uh, was murdered. And uh, the gentleman that was with him was never taken in to questioning. Uh, so she had a, uh, her son had someone with him and was never taken in for questioning. She says she never received a call from IMPD about her son's death. She never got a knock on the door, never heard from a detective until she researched and called around and got in touch um, with with it three weeks later. I'm not exactly who sure who she got in touch with. But um, she's been basically it sounds like now she's been having trouble reaching a detective and she's also applied for victims assistance and has never received it. So obviously that's a lot to unpack right here on the radio. Who can she call um, and get in touch with with someone quickly? Uh, Well, you can actually you can give her her my cell or she can. She can contact me through my work email, uh, which is Randall, R-A-N-D-A-L dot Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, at Indy, I-N-D-Y dot gov, G-O-V. Uh, and she'll email me, which is probably the, the easiest way to do that. Um, or she can call my, my desk phone, uh, 317-327-3436. Uh, I'll get her taken care of. Okay, give me that number because I'm I'm messing it back. 317-327-3436. And uh, that is your that's your direct office line. That's, that's my direct office line. And she's going to get my voicemail, but if she'll leave me uh, her information and, and a contact number, we'll get her taken care of. All right, uh, Chief, thank you for that. And I'm I'm messaging her that right now. Um, so, uh, Ms. Gray, thank you for, for that online. Well, look at the time, 8.59. Uh, we probably could have stayed on for, for a while because the phone lines are still uh, ringing. And uh, I have more questions, too. Uh, but, Chief, so 
uh, with one minute left, uh, again, what is the best way? I, I think you just gave your email, um, your your direct line. How can people get in touch with IMPD when they're ha- having an issue and it's just not being addressed? Yeah, that I usually, you know, if obviously it's emergency, 911 uh, is the best route to go. Uh, but I encourage everyone to get to know their district commander, what district they're in. If they go to the IMPD website, there's a, uh, a, a place on there where they can, it'll say, find your, your, your district. And if you type in your address, it'll tell you what district you are. You know, we've got... Uh, Six different districts, north, northwest, northeast, uh, southeast, and southwest and downtown. Uh, so uh, get to know your commander, uh, especially if you have issues uh, around your house and your community that you're concerned with. Uh, it's always great. The, the commanders uh, are all uh, really handpicked by me, uh, and I trust them. Uh, they're a great group of men and women, that, and they will take care of you. Uh, as best they can. All right. So get to know. All right. And all that information about who is the commander for what district is online on IMPD's website. Chief Randall Taylor, thank you for uh, coming on the show, spending an entire hour with us. I appreciate it. You're very welcome, Cameron. Anytime, really. We would need to get together again here, uh, uh, not too distant future. I'll be willing to come back on. All right. And I will say anytime I call, you do come. So I appreciate it. Very good. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Open Line Show. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. Thank you to Chief Taylor for coming on the show, and thank you to all of you for your calls, questions, and comments. Do me a favor. Follow me on social media, at Cameron Riddle. When you do that, sometimes I can connect you to the right people. Just give me a follow on the gram, on Twitter, on Facebook. I love y'all. I will see you next Sunday live at 8 right here on the same station. Have a good day.